You are listening to a live broadcast from Faith Worship Center in Portia, Arkansas. Will you go back with me to the book of Romans in chapter 5? And I'll not be before you a long time tonight. I just got one page of notes. I don't got much. But I do want to finish up from where I was at this morning. I never got to explain my text. And I, I, want, I just feel like I need to do that this evening. And so Romans chapter 5 is where we'll be. Do you want to say hi to Sister Waterman? I see her back there. We honor you and thank you for being here this evening also. You don't have to sit there if you don't want to. But, <laughs> but we are glad that, uh, that everybody is here. Romans 5, we'll read verses 1 through 5. The Bible says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. And that's what we want. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation works patience. And patience experience and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, which is given unto us. And I just want to finish where I was at this morning and talk to you a little, about a little different topic. We're going to talk about the benefits of being justified. Will you bow your head and will you help me pray? Father, we love you, God, and we thank you for what you've already done again. Thank you for the moving and the operation of the Holy Spirit and, Lord, for everything that you've already accomplished. And, Lord, as we enter into your word, we ask you would open our ears to hear, our hearts to receive your word, Lord. And I pray that you would anoint my lips. Help me to rightly divide this great word of truth. The task that is before me is greater than what I am. But, Lord, I know that you're able to accomplish all things. So we ask it, and we'll be very careful to give you the praise, glory, and honor in Jesus' Jesus' name, and everybody says, Amen. Your baby boy is going to be Pentecostal. I seen him moving when we were, he was dancing. He was getting with it up here, and, and it's something to see, you know, that, that's why, hey, you know, I know that, that that is kind of, it's kind of funny, but that's why it's important to have your children in the house of the Lord, and even your small kids, if small kids, nursery age, if you need to take them to the nursery, change the diaper, calm them down, fine, but get them back in here. They need to be in the presence of the Lord. And so uh, it's, it's, it was just special to watch him tonight being moved by the presence of the Lord. Uh, Romans 5, 1 through 5, if we finish up, don't let me get too loud. I'm going to try to teach, but don't let me get too loud. Finish up from where I need to be in regards to justification by our faith. We looked at justification as our declaration, the moment that we place our faith, some of this I'm just going to kind of comb through because I want to get to verse 2. Justification as our declaration of being not guilty before the Lord of anything and everything that we've ever done. That's what we want. Amen? I want to be declared not guilty. You don't want to stand before God, the righteous judge, and be in a guilty position. Amen? And so I want to tell you tonight, you don't have to. You can come by the way of Jesus Christ and we enter spiritually into heaven's courtroom and in heaven's courtroom when we place our faith in Christ and what he's done on the cross of Calvary, well, God, the righteous judge, has no choice but to declare us not guilty of anything and everything we've ever done. Amen. 
That's beautiful, amen? And this morning we looked at our, as our position. The moment we're justified and declared not guilty, then we remain in that position of being justified as long as we keep our faith in Christ and what He's done on the cross of Calvary. I simply reminded you of Romans 4. Abraham is an example of a believing sinner, and he gives us the great example of our declaration. Abraham, Genesis 15 and 6, he was declared not or he was he believed the Lord and he was accounted to him for righteousness he was a sinner but he believed and it was accounted to him for righteousness but David is our example of a sinning believer but because he did not continue in the way of his sin he we've seen his action he tried to cover it up he felt horrible he even had the man killed just to try to cover up his sin the reason he was doing all of this is because he was convicted by the power of the Holy Spirit and that's what you need to know. I know, does anybody in here enjoy being convicted? Absolutely not. It's not a good feeling. It's not a good time. But it is good in, in that you are convicted because if you're being convicted, that means that you're saved. We're, we're saved. We are now in a position by which God can change us. And that's where we want to be. And in regards to our, uh, our relationship with God, we came in by faith, not just in Jesus, but Jesus and what He had accomplished on the cross of Calvary. Because if He wouldn't have went to the cross, no sins would have been atoned for. We came in by faith in Christ and what He did on the cross of Calvary. The power of the Holy Spirit took me back baptized me into the death of Jesus, which broke the power of the sin nature, baptized me into the burial, which buried the old man, and baptized me into his resurrection, so that now I could be raised up and walk in the newness of life. God never raises up what he buries. I love that. He never raises up what he buries. He'll bury an adulterer and raise you up to be honest and true spouse. He'll bury a drug addict and raise you up clean. Bury an alcoholic and raise you up sober. But he will not raise up which he has already buried. That's dead. It's gone. And we now can walk in the newness of life. Now, verse number 2. Can we bring that up please? Try to run through this, explain this just a little bit. I, I didn't get to it this morning, so I just had to come back to it. Verse number 2, I'll read it again. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And I'll not, I'll spend a lot of time on every single word, but verse number 2 is very, very important. It says, by whom, literally means by who? By Christ. Everything that we receive comes through what Christ has done on the cross of Calvary. He says, by whom also. Okay. All right. So we were justified by Christ. And now there's a whole list of things that's coming after this that we also receive by Christ. So listen, let me tell you, even if you're, uh, even if you're saved, uh, even if you are, and you are, if you're saved, you are in the process of sanctification. Let me say this politely as what I can, but as challenging as what I can also I don't care how long you've been saved I don't care how much of the Bible you know I don't care how many times you've been used in the gifts of the Spirit I don't care about all of that because the, tr the truth of the matter is you should never be satisfied with what God has already done in your life because God's got more to give than what you can ever receive 
And so we keep reaching forward. By whom also by Christ. Here's what he says. We have, uh, we have access. The word access literally means that I have admission. I have admission to anything that I need to live for him. Or anything that I need in the process of this life according to his will. Very important that we understand that. I have access to it. I have free admission because of my faith in Jesus and what he's done on the cross of Calvary. Now keep this in mind. He is my heavenly father. I'm a son. Sister Melissa is a daughter. I'm a son and a daughter. What is it that you have access to to your mom and dad? I have access to anything and everything that my mom and dad has. I don't I do ask, but I don't even have to ask. Why? Because I am their son. Now, if I was to flip that just a little bit and go to Sister Melissa's house, I'm gonna be or to her parents' house, I'm gonna be more limited than what she is. Why? Because I'm not a son or a daughter. She come before me. She's the daughter. And so she has free access. Vice versa. She can't just go to my mom and dad's house and have free access in the way that my or my two brothers can. Listen, you need to know this. It's the same way that I have access to my earthly parents and everything that they have, anything that I need. I've got access to anything and everything that my heavenly Father has. And He is able to supply all of my need according not to my or yours, but according to His riches and glory. And I think that's good enough for me. I'm limited to His riches and glory. And that's pretty good. So I have access. He says, by whom also Jesus, we have access. We have admission. We have come in as a son. And He says this, by faith. Not by a confession. Not by a work. Not by a law. Not by your last name. Not by how much money you have or how much money you don't have. That doesn't give you access. We have access by faith. And that faith Paul will always talk about is proper faith in Christ and what he's done on the cross of Calvary. That is a heart question. Because you can tell me you have faith in Christ and what he's done. You can even believe it. I believed it for a long time. I had faith in Christ to save me but not to change me. I want to do that on my own. So it's a heart question. What are you trusting in for your need? For your change, for your transformation. By faith literally means reliance or trust in Christ. Why? I asked the teens and youth leaders the other night, why is it that we trust in Christ and what He's done on the cross of Calvary? Well, what is the problem of man? Sin nature. Our sin. Where was it that sin was broken and atoned for? Christ going to the cross. Listen, sin, the sin nature, is greater than our willpower. So if you're going to overcome something, you've got to go to something greater. You don't have to pick and choose and figure out which one you're going to try, because there's only one that's greater. And that is Jesus and what He done on the cross of Calvary. So when Paul talks about faith, he's talking about proper faith. Which is the only faith that God will recognize, and that is faith in Christ and what He's done on the cross of Calvary. Grace here, he says, by faith into this grace. Grace here literally means, you can look it up in a simple Strong's, the divine influence of the Holy Spirit. Greater than unmerited favor. It's talking about the help of the Holy Spirit, or as Ephesians 
Two would say, I believe, the effectual working of the Holy Spirit. Grace here is, look, he says this, by Christ, I have access by my faith in Him and what He's already done to get the help of the Holy Spirit that I need. You can't make it without the help of the Holy Spirit. And He can't help you if your faith is not in Christ and what He did on the cross of Calvary. And so grace here is the helping of the Holy Spirit, the divine influence of the Holy Spirit. Hebrews 4 and 16, can you bring that up for me real quick? Hebrews 4 and 16 is another great example of that. And it will tell us that we can come, there we go. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. That we may find grace to help us. What is that talking about? That we might find the help of the Holy Spirit that when do we, when do we get it? We get it any time that we need it. I don't know about you, but I need it a lot. And so anytime that I need it, let us boldly come into the throne room of grace. The word boldly means I can come with full assurance. This scripture is in really good harmony with verse number two, full assurance. Same thing as having admission to my mom and dad's house. I can go there and I don't have to worry about it. They got something that I need, they're not going to tell me no. I can come boldly to the throne room of grace with full assurance knowing that I have access and my heavenly Father is going to give to me according to His will. I want to bring out another word here in Hebrews chapter number 4 while we're there or while uh, she's there and that is the word help. I will find help. The word help is here. It literally means one to secure. The picture here is, I had to check this out because I wasn't sure, was of one, I got to be careful pronounce this right, one that would uh, be frapping, F-R-A-P-P-I-N-G, everybody's like, what did he say? One that is frapping a boat. What does that mean? We talk about frapping a boat. Well, it literally means they had, uh, they had uh, tie points on the side of the old wooden vessels. And them tie points were there for a reason. The, the wooden vessel itself was made out of, look up, the tongue and groove uh, siding. That's how it was made. But over time, or when a storm come, that siding, that wood would begin to loosen and it would begin to let water in. So the, the, the man in charge would holler, we need to frap the boat, which literally mean on this side, they tied a rope to a tie point, running underneath the boat, and come over here and tighten it and tied it again, and it held everything together. You ever felt like your life was falling all to pieces? And there's nothing that you could do about it. Water's coming in and I'm about to drown. This literally means that at that time, you can come into the throne room of grace and God the Holy Spirit will begin to frap your boat and tie it together so tight that you cannot drown. Oh, I like that better than you did. That's good. He says when we're in our time of need, which means that He is never... He is never unavailable. He is always available to meet the need of the believer. Go back with me to Romans 5 and 2. And he says this, Wherein we stand, wherein we stand, literally stand means to be placed or to remain. It means to abide. So now, because of Christ, 
I have came in to the presence of the Lord. I'm there. I found grace. And he says, this is where we need to stand. Now here's what I want you to think about in regards uh, to place to stand. It's where I'm going to abide. If the Lord can take you, an individual that is bound by sin, headed straight for a devil's hell, because we're so blinded by the power of sin. He can take you based upon your faith, baptize you spiritually into Christ, bury you with Christ, and raise you up to live with Him, write your name in the Lamb's book of life, make a robe and a crown that's just for you, have a mansion waiting for you uh, when we get to glory. If God can do all of that, give you a new desire, and begin to change your heart, let me ask you, what else do you have going on in your life that He cannot that he cannot help or he cannot heal. If we start there, we just started at the top. If he can do that, there is nothing going on that he's not able to do. He says, I need to stand here. Why would you want to leave that? Why would you want to leave that? I want to stand in the grace of God that has been afforded to me because we don't have a problem that he cannot handle. And then he says rejoice. The word rejoice means to give thanks and give praise to Christ. But it's not just like a lot of times we do and just thank you Lord for what he's done. Right here it literally means that the believer, when we understand what we have in Christ and when we understand grace that is given to us and we begin to stand there and abide and we're allowing the Holy Spirit to flow in us, it ought to make us celebrate. Well, I'm preaching good. It ought to make us celebrate because of what Jesus has done for us. It's not just to, to rejoice, but to celebrate. And then he says, of the, of, uh, rejoice in the hope. The hope here means because of my born-again experience, I'm left with a hope, I'm left with an expectation to continue to be changed. Again, if he can save us, there's nothing that he cannot do. Abraham said, I am fully persuaded that he that has begun a good work in me will continue to perform it. If we won't quit, God won't quit. He's going to continue to perform it. And then he says of the glory of God, the transformation that is happening will bring God glory. My life should honor God. Let me ask you, born again believer, is your life honoring God? Is your life honoring God? My life should honor God and bring Him glory. People ought to look and see a change in your heart and in your life as, you, as God is changing your witness. And our life should honor the Lord. My life will point others to Him if it is, what it's, if it is a witness that it's supposed to be. Verse number 3, And not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. That word that I do not like. Why would we glory in tribulation? Why in the world would anybody glory in, in, in tribulation? Well, it's talking about the tri tribulation here literally means the pressure or the affliction or the trouble that we go through. The, the pressure, the affliction, the trouble that we go through. Why would I glory in that? Because I should glory in that because of the end result. Because of what God is doing in me and through me. I've told it several times, but I've given testimony of, of uh, Jeff 
Brother Jeff and Sister Megan. And Sister Megan, during the, the whole time, she would come in and, and we would pray together and we would look and, and we would talk about, uh, you know, just talk. Well, she had a lot of, lot of different advice coming from a lot of different ways and she was ready to, if you know her, punch me in the face because I would tell her that you need to listen to the voice of the Lord and shut every other voice out and follow Him and she was getting pretty aggravated. But after the Lord brought them both through that, and got through the end, she will tell you, I don't ever want to go through it again, but I wouldn't take nothing for my journey. Because what God showed me and how that the Lord brought me closer and drawn me closer to Him through it is something that is, is priceless. Is you can't put a value on it. Listen, we need to be thankful for the tribulation that God has His hand upon us, that He knows what He's doing, and pay attention to the journey. I shouldn't in the middle of the journey say, God, this has got to end. I should say, God, I don't know what You're doing, and I don't know what You're trying to teach me. But Lord, I pray that I would gain everything that I can from You, and that when this thing is over, that I will be a better Witness and a better testimony for you. Somebody that's been through the heartache of losing somebody is a great testimony and a great witness to somebody that is just ha- that has just happened because of what God has done in their heart and in their life. I'll move on. He says, "Glory and tribulation because they worketh." The word "worketh" here means to accomplish or to fashion or to finish. He has an end result. you got to trust Him. But He's got an end result and He knows what He's doing. And if we will we'll keep our faith in Christ and what He's done, He will continue to fashion us and mold us into what He wants us to be. And the word patience. Oh, does anybody here else like patience? No, I didn't think so. This is not talking about patience like when I dropped Sister Becky off at the place where she's shopping and she says I'm just going to run in and take this back and I'll be right back out and so I just make a circle in the parking lot and 45 minutes later 45 don't roll your eyes minutes later I thought going in and taking something back meant going to the cash register and taking it back and coming back out that's not what it means see that's, that's where I messed up our definition was completely different that's not what it meant. She's biting her fist now, so I'm going to move on. Because I, I have a mic, but I'm not ignorant. But that's not what this is talking about. When we talk about patience, he's talking about endurance. So that we will stay and we will allow the process to take place in our heart and in our life. I've been through rough periods. I've been through rough times. But it's in the middle of the storm that I learned that I could trust God. I mean, it's, listen, I don't mean this in a wrong way, so if you're watching, please don't take me wrong. You can read the scripture that he'll never leave you or forsake you, but it's mostly words on paper until you go through it. And then it's not just words, but it's something I went through. He'll never leave me, and he will never forsake me. Verse number four, patience experience and experience hope in verse number four experience means a deeper trust in him hope means a deeper confidence in him here patience is working a deeper trust 
And that deeper trust has given me deeper confidence in who God is and what God has already done for me. And in verse number 5, hope will make us not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit which is given unto us. In verse number 5, a hope or a confidence is going to be a confidence that I receive from the Lord that I'm not going to be ashamed of. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel and the hope and the confidence that he is building is a confidence that I will not be ashamed of because the love of God in me is still going to be greater than the trial or the tribulation that I'm going through on the outside. What I've got on the inside is going to be greater than anything on the outside. The word shed abroad literally means that it will be poured out until it gushes out on me. I'm, I'm telling you, I've experienced this and I know that in the time of a trial, a time of a tribulation, if you will say, Lord I don't know what you're doing. I don't know how I'm going to be long I'm going to be here, but I place my faith in Jesus and what He's done on the cross of Calvary. The love of God will gush out on you in a way that you will have a peace that fills your heart that will pass all understanding. Shed abroad, pour into and gush out all of this at the end. It says by the Holy Spirit which is given to us. All of this is a work of the Spirit. And how does the Holy Spirit work? He works because of my faith in Christ and what He's done on the cross of Calvary. Look at all we, I just got to verse 5 and I'm going to hush. But look at all that we have. Believer, because you were justified by your faith, don't move your faith and trust to law or works. If the Lord is able to save you, you're not going to have nothing going on in your life that He can't do after that. We keep our faith in Christ and what He's done on the cross. And then I get access into His grace. And then He's going to start working a process in me. He's going to start building hope. He's going to start building patience, endurance. He's going to start building uh, experience in me so that my life is a witness and my life is a testimony. And all of this is carried out by the working of the Holy Spirit because of my faith in Christ and what He's done for me on the cross of Calvary. Amen? You don't have no place to quit growing in the Lord. No place, nothing, uh, no time that you will ever come to a place where you have arrived, where we have arrived. We are forever learning and forever growing in grace. And the only way that we can grow is to keep our faith in Christ and what He's done on the cross of Calvary so that the grace of God can flow. Amen? Amen. Stand with me tonight. Father, we love You. We thank You, Lord, for Your grace and for Your mercy and for Your love. Thank You, God, that I've got access just as a child of the King. And by my faith, I have access into anything and everything that I ever need according to to your will. Lord, I am standing in a congregation uh, this evening. No doubt that among us, Lord, God, there's some of us struggling. There's some of us going through a trial. There's some of us going through tribulation. There's some of us don't know which way to turn or, or what to do next. God, we're just trying our best to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. But Lord, tonight, I pray that in our hearts, that we can be reminded that we don't have a need and we can't represent a need that you're not able to supply and God that you're not able to meet. 
I ask in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, that in every heart tonight, that we would be reminded that we've got access to Your grace. And if we will stand there, we'll start to have hope and patience and experience built up in us. You've got a plan. I may not know what that plan is, but if I will trust You, that plan will be carried out. And the end result is, is that my heart will be gushed over with Your love, and I will be brought closer to You in relationship and ultimately God that's what we all desire that's what we all want so I ask in the name of Jesus Christ that you would move upon every heart keep us God by your grace and keep us Lord by your mercy and we ask in Jesus name amen and amen if you were blessed by this message or you need prayer please email us at faithworshipcenterar at gmail.com